This is the Africa service of Vatican Radio. Welcome to our half-hour daily program for Africa. Stay tuned for our report with the Pope on Sunday and other stories. That will be followed by our feature, The Family. I am Johnny Baptist Tumosime. Pope Francis has called upon Catholics to allow the voice of God in this Lenten season to speak to their hearts, noting that God speaks to us when we give ourselves to him and listen to his voice in silence. The Holy Father made the call on Sunday at St. Peter's Square before reciting the traditional non-angelous prayer with the faithful. Linda Boldoni reports. Speaking during his Angelus Address on the first Sunday of Lent, Pope Francis drew inspiration from the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus faces temptation in the desert. Reflecting on the symbolic significance of the wilderness, the Pope urged Christians to delve into silence, to explore their inner worlds and connect with the truth, highlighting that in a symbolic sense, the wild beasts and angels that accompanied Jesus in the desert are also present in our own inner worlds. The Pope described the wild beasts as disordered passions that aim to seize our hearts, and he warned of their seductive nature, that he said, if we are not careful, risk tearing us apart. La bramosia della ricchezza che imprigiona nel calcolo e nella insoddisfazione. He named them as the lust for wealth, as the vanity of pleasure, and as the craving for fame. The Pope said we need to tame and fight these inner wild beasts to prevent them from devouring our freedom. Lent, he said, is the right time to do this. Then, focusing on the angelic presence in the desert, Essi sono i messaggeri di Dio. The Pope said angels are God's messengers who help us who do good. Underlining the transformative power of divine inspirations, the Pope explained how these inspirations unify and bring harmony to our hearts, providing a taste of Christ and the flavor of heaven. Stressing the importance of silence and prayer to discern these divine thoughts and feelings, the Holy Father reiterated that Lent is the time to do this. La quaresima è tempo di fare questo. Pope Francis concluded with two crucial questions. What are the disordered passions, the wild beasts that agitate in my heart? And am I considering retreating into the wilderness, dedicating space to silence, prayer, adoration, and listening to the word of God? La Vergine Maria, che ha custodito la parola. May the Holy Virgin, he ended, who kept the word and did not let herself be touched by the temptations of the evil one, help us on our way. I'm Linda Bordoni. After the Angelus, Pope Francis appealed for peace in Sudan and in northern Mozambique, where a Catholic mission was set on fire by Islamic militants. 
He said people are tired of war, which as always is pointless and inconclusive and only brings death, destruction, and never solves the problems. He recalled that 10 months have passed since the conflict broke out in Sudan, leading to a serious humanitarian situation, and he appealed to the fighting factions to stop the war, which he says has caused so much harm to the people and the future of the country. Attempts by Saudi Arabia, the United States of America, and Eastern African countries to mediate a ceasefire in Sudan have failed. For the latest on the ground, here is Nathan Molly. Sudan has been witnessing brutal armed clashes between the Army and the Rapid Support Forces, or RSF, since April 2023, with the two sides accusing each other of initiating the conflict. Now the army, or SAF, have advanced in Omdurman for the first time since the war with the RSF erupted. Omdurman is regarded as the twin city to Sudan's capital Khartoum, which sits on the opposite side of the Nile. On Sunday, reports from the country suggested the SAF had joined their peers in the engineering corps in the south of the city, where they've been surrounded by the RSF for the last ten months. The clashes in Sudan have left more than 25 million people reliant on humanitarian assistance. Last week, the UN Secretary-General's personal envoy to Sudan embarked on renewed engagement to try and end the fighting between the government forces and the RSF. The UN said Ramtain Lam Amra was trying to strengthen multinational coordination around political and mediation efforts, working in support of and in close partnership with African and other regional and international partners. The diplomat has already commenced a wide tour of key capitals in the Horn of Africa, Europe and the Gulf in a bid to relaunch a political process. The United Nations has previously said the worsening situation is having a negative impact on neighbouring countries, many of which are coping with their own crises. For Vatican Radio, this is Nathan Morley reporting. The newly created Cardinal Protase Rugambwa, who is also the Archbishop of Tabora in Tanzania, took possession of the titular church of Santa Maria in Montesanto in Rome on Sunday. In accordance with the Catholic tradition, the church was allocated to him by Pope Francis. Cardinals are assigned a titular church to formally make them part of the Diocese of Rome, whose bishop is the Pope. This means they are always related to the Diocese of Rome, even if they reside elsewhere in the world. Reports from Mozambique say Islamic militants belonging to the Al Shabaab group attacked the parish of Our Lady of Africa Mazeze in the Catholic Diocese of Pemba, Cape Delgado province, and looted the property and also burnt what they could not take. The attack took place on Monday, February 12th, when the militants entered the town of Posto Mazeze. The civilians, including the parish priest of Our Lady of Africa, fled the area during the attack. The parish priest, Father Salvador Maria Rodriguez de Brito, has told reporters that the attack took place in the evening. The militants destroyed mission buildings, including the residence of the priests, the parish church, parish offices, as well as a health center. They burnt down the building and equipment of the technical school that was offering tailoring courses to youth and other properties. 
During the escape, Father Brito said he only managed to take with him the Blessed Sacrament and the books containing the names of people who had received the sacraments of baptism, confirmation, and marriage. The Islamic insurgency in northern Mozambique's Cape Delgado province started in 2017 and has since then spread to neighboring provinces such as Nampula and Niasa. The conflict has killed tens of thousands of people and displaced more than a million others. Pro-life activists belonging to an organization known as Citizens Go Africa have expressed concern over the activities of a U.S. pro-abortion group known as the International Planned Parenthood Federation, which they say has infiltrated several African countries to promote abortion and sexual practices among youth. The federation is funded by pro-abortion organizations in the United States. Currently, it has penetrated Nigeria and is quietly targeting young people, encouraging them to abort in case of conception. Nigeria has strict anti-abortion laws and its cultural and religious values forbid abortion. Citizens Go Africa is calling upon the Nigerian government to expel the International Planned Parenthood Federation from Nigeria, which it accuses of not only killing children, but also of selling baby parts under the guise of providing family planning services. Citizens Go Africa is appealing to the Nigerian government to implement policies and measures that uphold the sanctity of human life and respect for Nigeria's cultural values. The coordinator for the Social Communications Department at the Secretariat of the Association of Member Episcopal Conferences in Eastern Africa, Amesea, Father Andrew Kaufa, has told the association's executive board that the region will have to find better ways to improve on communion, mission, and participation to promote the spirit of synodality in the local church. He made the remarks recently when he met the body members in Nairobi, Kenya, to discuss how to improve the call for synodality. He explained that the bishops can journey together with their priests, religious and laity, by strengthening further the small Christian communities, which are already recognized by the synod as an appropriate ecclesial model in the synodal church and by strengthening the existing participative structures that encourage dialogue, consultation, common discernment, and collaboration with the church councils, the parish councils, and diocesan councils of consultants. Father Kaufa called upon bishops, priests, and religious to take time and explain to the faithful the church's understanding of the ministries of the non-ordained, including the catechist, women, lay associates, and associations. The president of Brazil, Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, has told the African Union Summit in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, that the African continent is indispensable for the cohesion and progress of developing countries commonly referred to as the Global South. Mr. Rula arrived in Ethiopia on Friday to take part in the 37th African Union Summit, where African heads of state and government discussed a number of issues, including education challenges on the continent. Mr. Rula noted that the African continent is rich not only in natural resources, but also in culture, 
and he promised that his country would continue cooperation with the African countries, but without dictating to them what to do. Brazil has a population of 220 million people, half of whom are of African descent, whose ancestors were taken there during the period of the transatlantic slave trade. Mr. Rula said he had come to the African Union to reaffirm the partnership and bond between Brazil and the people on the African continent, with whom Brazilians have much in common. He lamented the exploitation of the continent and he proposed that African countries need to build an inclusive social project for a prosperous society that is free, democratic, and sovereign. The bishop-elect of the Diocese of Sao Tome and the Principe Monsignor Joao de Cheita Nazari has told reporters that the recently ratified agreement between the Holy See and Sao Tome and Principe is beneficial for the church and for the state as well. He was responding last Wednesday to questions posed by reporters of a Catholic radio station known as Radio Jubila. He said for the first time in over 500 years since the arrival of the Catholic faith in Sao Tome and Principe, the Catholic Church and her institutions have been recognized as a juridical personality that is as an organization recognized by law. He explained that with its new status, the church in the country will be able to dialogue with the state and to carry out its work with more freedom. You are tuned to the English Africa service of Vatican Radio. And now our feature, family. Church in Africa as a family of God. Its people, challenges, values, and hopes. My name is Father Paul Samasumo with your program, Family. Professor Sheila Tou, you are from Botswana. I'm most welcome to Vatican Radio. Thank you very much. I feel welcome. You've just come from a meeting with the Pontifical, the Vatican's Pontifical Academy for Life. You advise Pope Francis. Uh, actually, I looked at your CV. It's a very, very long uh, CV. Tell us something about yourself briefly. I know you can't say all, but and also about your work with the Pontifical Academy for Life. Okay, I think for me the most important thing is I'm a Catholic. I mean, that's what I've been since I was a young girl. But as I was growing up, being taught by priests and nuns, I was able to create my own path. And some of that, that path led me, led me to being a NS, a professor of nursing at the University of Botswana, a director of the WHO Collaborating Center, Primary Healthcare for English-Speaking Africa, a Minister of Health and Member of Parliament, a Regional Director for UNAIDS for Eastern and Southern Africa, and now I am the Chair of the Global HIV Prevention Coalition. I am the African Alliance uh, for Malaria. Uh, I'm the Ambassador. And most important, I serve in the Pontifical Academy for Life. What is your role there? How does it work when you are a member? How did you get there? Uh, what do you say to the Holy Father, Pope Francis? 
Well, let me say, uh, how does it work? I don't know how I was appointed, but maybe it's because being a Catholic, somebody saw my CV and simply said, no, she needs to therefore serve in this. I've come to Rome quite a few times, uh, especially during the Public Health Association. I was the second in command of one of the vice presidents of the conference. So it may have been that uh, in there, somebody said she needs to serve in the academy. And of course, I'm sure there were some consultations with my bishops and all that, but uh, I'm glad I'm here. And the, the great part is really being able to have audience with the Holy Father. Because, you know, you see him from afar and you just think, oh, he's such a great guy. But then now when you are with him, it's like, okay, you know, I am in the presence of eminence. Let's see what it is that we can talk about. But in it all, the thing that, you know, is really the the equalizer is that we talk about human dignity to say a lot is happening in the world. But where is the human being in all that? And uh, we, we were able to discuss. Uh, he's not there with us all the time, but as the academy, there are over 100 members. There are two women now. Before I was the only woman, but now there are two women in Africa. One of them is, an, is, is a nun from, uh, from Kenya. But So we feel like we are representing Africa, and therefore we should be able to, how to, to really voice our concerns as Africans to ensure that we are not left behind in a lot of these things. Yes. So what exactly have you been saying to Pope Francis uh, regarding the challenges of Africa in terms of health, in terms of yeah. um, environment and so forth? Well, one of the things that I was able to bring up has been the fact that, okay, we come here to Rome to discuss issues. But as a former politician, one who is supposed to have benefited from what was discussed and therefore made informed decisions which are better regarding human beings, they don't get there. So that I've seen, I've been able to voice the disconnect between what the data that is that is presented here and how it can therefore be condensed, for example, into maybe two, three pages and spread out there so that the decision makers are able to make informed decisions regarding people's health, regarding people's everything, just the life of people. Because some of it is not just for Catholics, it's it's for everybody. Those are things that we should be able to say, moral guidance, this is the way we should be able to go. This is the way we're supposed to care for the human being from the womb to the tomb. So it's basically that. So one of the things that I asked was to say, let's have uh, a session in Africa that I am willing to organize and have the Pontifical Academy for Life partner with other institutions. It could even be the African Medical you know, Research Associations or the Africa CDC, so that we look at a lot of the uh, aspects that are happening in the world to say, how does it relate to us in Africa? And what is it, therefore, that we can be able to talk to the Pope about in terms of advising, uh, you know, s- such things? Uh, yes. Professor, we are proud that you are there. You are representing Africa. Mm. And, and you spoke about the disconnect. Yes. Now, how do you avoid that some disconnect from the thing that you are discussing here with the region? How do you make the linkage, apart from this great idea of this conference that you are going to be doing? That That's exactly what should happen. Uh, I feel what we discuss here should be condensed. There is a lot written. Whatever we discuss, actually, the book will come out. But the point is, who does that book reach? 
It reaches maybe the bishops, the archbishops in the various countries. But is it possible for it to be condensed into just maybe like six pages where it can also be translated into many languages to say at this at the academy, we discuss this, 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 and we feel this is the way, you know, we should go to preserve human dignity. So, and that is not what's happening. But then I do understand that there, there are the, the you know, problems, the challenges of funding and all that. But I think that's one of the things that we need to do to communicate uh, our messages properly. Uh, Professor, yes. you are also working with um, the African Union on malaria. I think you mentioned just before this yes. interview. Uh, one of the things during COVID, I think mm. that really came out clearly was this divide. Yes. Uh, some of the Western countries were not so willing to share the vaccines mm-hmm. uh, with other uh, countries of the South. Yes. And Pope Francis was always appealing uh, for these uh, vaccines to be shared out. Yes. So what can be done for the future? In the future, and that is something that actually I'd, I addressed our own African presidents about, we need to collaborate starting now. We should have pandemic preparedness at all levels in our countries to say for the next pandemic, let's be ready right now. Let's start collaborating among ourselves as Africans. We have very good institutions that can really do a lot. For example, my own country, manufactures vaccines for cattle against foot and mouth. Now, are we really focusing on cattle rather than people? It's high time. We collaborated with institutions that are outside to now start manufacturing vaccines so that when that then comes, we are able to share and, uh, you know, and share alike. So it's, it's really to say that, to say let's now be prepared, but it should not be just, you know, everybody cooking their own little pot. Let's collaborate. We need collaboration between the West and, uh, you know, us in the South to say let's then have more vaccines so that nobody has to hoard them to the point where even when a developing country says we have money, you can't even uh, access them. So I think that can be avoided. Yes, I'm intrigued, Professor, for someone who has achieved so much with a professor, has been a minister, a politician, mm-hmm. and yet uh, you're also, as even at the beginning of this interview, you spoke about your Catholic faith. Last Sunday, I so, saw someone in St. Anne's uniform in the yes. Basilica of St. Peter's, and I was saying, who is she? And uh, this is quite bold uh, on your part to wear your yes. uniform wherever you go. Yes. Tell us something about your Catholic faith and how you are able to relate with your academic work and all these other things that you do. Yes, well, uh, maybe it's probably because in my education, I was always number one in class. And for me, it was always like, you know, praying to God to say thank you very much. I spent more time saying thank you than saying I demand this because the rest was given. So I think I I always saw myself as privileged in that case to say, you know, I must always be thanking God. And, you know, as a Catholic, I must make sure that I keep my Catholic faith and all that. So even when I became a minister, I was already, you know, pledging, making sure that I belong to the order to the sodality of St. Anne, uh, you know, a sodality that I like very much because they are the grandmothers of the church. This is after, you know, St. Anne, who is the mother of Mary. And to me, it was like this was a very exemplary woman who could pray to God for a child and then say, I'm going to give it to the temple. I don't think I would have done that. 
So I've always admired her for that. Yeah. But as a result, I joined the Saint Saint Anne Sodality, and I just love my people. I mean, they're all over Southern Africa. In my uniform, I'm welcome in Botswana, Lesotho, Swaziland, South Africa, and all that. And simply, I simply decided this garb that you have to work for it. I work for it for three years. Other people work for two. So I take it everywhere I go. When I'm in Russia, and I've gone to most countries of the world, except maybe about 18. But wherever I'm going, I, I take it with me, especially if I'm going to spend a Sunday, because I always feel like, you know, this is me. It it really is who I am. I may be everything else to the world out there. But in the ultimate to myself, I am a Catholic I am a saint and mother. Most of the people in the world are so busy. And so where do you get the time? You do so many things. You're traveling all the time. You're giving lectures. You're attending meetings. And yet you yeah. still have time for your faith. Um, you, 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 you know, people always say, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. And, you know, this busy person is able to then make time. I, I have to make time. I have to make time even for my children. But one thing that I was forever grateful for, I really got married to a man who assisted me, who helped me in everywhere possible, even with the children, because you could see maybe the potential in me. He would say to me, don't forget that these children bear my same name, not yours. So I'm the one who's going to take care of them. You, you know, take care of yourself. Get educated. I want it in such a way that when I die, my children can live the same life that they're living now. He was a professor of history. So, you know, indeed, you know, we are able to raise our children and we have now three very good citizens, adults, uh, who are Lutheran. Yeah, but, uh, you know, they keep saying, no, no, we will be Catholics. I don't know when. It doesn't matter. We, we Between the two of us, we're able to raise them in both faiths. So they, they're fine. Yes. Uh, finally, uh, Professor, what's your great takeaway as you go back um, from this mm-hmm. academy meeting? Mm-hmm. And what, what struck you the most that you are, you are carrying with you? Um, my great takeaway is simply that, look, we must, the human being should be central. And that's basically the message that our Holy Father always gives that in everything that we do, the dignity of the human being should be central to our actions, should be central to our decisions, and really should be central to everything that we do. Professor Shilato of Botswana, it has been a privilege speaking to you. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Family with Father Paul Samasomo. You have been listening to the English Africa service of Vatican Radio and I am Johnny Baptist Tumusime. In our next program at the same time tomorrow, you can hear our features echo of the African Synod and the Millennium Appointment. Praised be Jesus Christ, Laudetur Jesus Christus.